who do we have here this morning? I need some, I need some help. Silas, I need your help this morning. I was looking around, I was looking for some, some other kids, but hey, so I have uh, eight cups of water here in this pickle jar, and I have just two tablespoons. These are called Orbeez, okay? And so I'd, all I need you to do is just pour those in there. And what Orbeez are, these are Orbeez seeds, and what they do is they begin to absorb the water, and um, eventually they turn into these little tiny um, like gel balls. As you, I'll show you what we're talking about at the end. So thank you, Silas. Thanks for your help this morning. We're going to just let those grow as we uh, talk about this passage of Scripture this morning. We're in Genesis chapter 36, verses 20 to 30. <clears throat> and the, uh, what I've entitled the message this morning is Increase Through Absorption. So that goes along with what we're going to watch here. So you can, you know, if you get tired of listening to me or, or looking at me, just look up here um, and see what's going on with our Orbeez as they begin to absorb this water. So as I think about that title, Increase Through Absorption, I think about myself in a couple of ways. Here's a couple of ways. Um, I'm a very sympathetic and compassionate person, especially when it comes to Judy. And so when Judy was expecting our first child, I made sure to eat like I was eating for two just like she was. And I did the same thing with the other two pregnancies as well. So what I did is I gained 10 pounds with each pregnancy. And I keep telling everybody that I'm waiting to have my baby, right? It still hasn't gone away. It's still there. But so my waistline has increased through absorption of food, right? That's one way that it happens. So uh, when our two oldest sons got married, Judy and I gained two daughters, right? We didn't have any girls. We only had three boys. And so we gained two daughters, and we're grateful for that. And we've now gained two granddaughters and one grandson. And so our family is increasing through marriage, right? Not necessarily that we absorbed them into our family, but they become a part of our family, right? And so I want you to think this morning, how many of you can relate to increasing our waistline through the absorption of food? You don't have to raise your hands or answer that question out loud. It's just a rhetorical question <clears throat> for you to kind of think about this morning. Okay. <clears throat> and then the second question is, how many of us have experienced the increasing of our family through marriage and grandchildren? We've seen that too, right? Many of us have experienced that. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've been focusing on the genealogy of Esau. And in the middle of his genealogy, the narrator talks about the genealogy of Seir the Horite. And we'll see uh, some familiar names in this genealogy that were part of Esau's genealogy in verse 2 of chapter 36. Now Esau married one of the Horite women, and what we know from the rest of history is that the Horite people were probably absorbed into the Edomite people. Edom is, the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. And so we're going to learn from this passage of Scripture today that God provides for all people. We're going to see how that works out today in this passage of Scripture. But before we dive into that, would you just bow your heads as we commit to the Lord in prayer? Lord, we come to you today, and we um, are grateful for your word. We thank you that it's inerrant, that it's perfect, that we can learn from it. It's, uh, we, you, you, um, God, you have given us so many incredible principles in your word that can apply to our lives. And I pray today as we look into this passage of Scripture, as we wrestle through these various names, Lord God, um, and this genealogy, I pray that you would still speak to us by your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, I pray that above all, that 
that your people today would hear your voice and not mine. That you would speak to their hearts and their minds. Would they hear your voice in, in their ears? And so, Lord, we just commit this passage to you now, and we ask this in your precious son's name. Amen. So let's look at chapter 36 of Genesis, beginning at verse uh, 20 and 21. And this is what we read there. These were the sons of Seir the Horite, who were living in the region. Lotan, Shobel, Sivon, Anah, Dishon, Eitzer, and Dishan, Dishon. These sons of Seir and Edom were Horite chiefs. And so we see in verses 20 and 21 that these were Seir's sons. We learn from this verse that Seir's family was living in the region that Esau is now inhabiting. If you look back into verse 8 of chapter 36, we see that. We see exactly what's taking place there, So, it, and this is what God's word says. So Esau, that is Edom, settled in the hill country of Seir. So this is where God's kind of directed him to go and be and not in the land of Canaan anymore because that's where Jacob is at. And so what we see here is the sons that are listed. And uh, we're just going to go through the names, and, and you can see what, what they mean here this morning. But Lotan means covering. Shovel means flowing. Sivon means colored. Ana means answer. Dishon means thresher. Eitzer means treasure. And Dishon means thresher. So Dishon is just a kind of a, a small variation on Dishon. So that's why it, uh, both of those mean the same thing, thresher. <clears throat> now notice that even though Esau settled in the hill country of Seir, and that Seir and his family were already living there, that at the end of verse 21, it says that these sons of Seir in Edom were Horite chiefs. So like, again, Esau and his, his clans, uh, his chiefs, kind of have absorbed the Horite clans. So the region has changed from being the hill country of Seir to Edom. And I, like I told you, Edom was the name of Esau's clan. It was another name for Esau, as we saw in verse 8 of chapter 36. So Esau absorbed the Horite people. Now what we see next is Seir's grandchildren. We're just going to go verse by verse here, okay, on verses 22 to 28. The sons of Lotan were Hori, which means cave dweller, and Hamam, which means exterminating. And then what we see here is uh, Lotan's sister, and Pastor Mark mentioned her last week, Timnah. Esau's son, Eliphaz, had a concubine named Timnah. So this is probably the same woman. So we're already seeing the increase of Esau's clan through uh, the taking of this concubine or marriage. The next one that we see is the sons of Shoval. We see Alvon, which means uh, tall. We see Minachath, which means rest. We see Aval, which means stone or bare mountain. Shepho, which means bold. And Onam, which means vigorous. <clears throat> and as we continue on, we see the sons of Sivon are Aya which means falcon, and Anah, which means answer. 
And then we see this little side note here, this little antidote just thrown in here. It says, this Anna was the one who discovered the hot springs in the desert while he was caring for his father, Savon's uh, donkeys. He was probably named after his uncle, Anna. We're going to get into a little bit of that in just a moment. Uh, Gango and Bramer say this little story dig- distinguishes this Anna from his uncle, a pattern that we've also seen regarding the two Lamechs in Genesis chapter 4, verses 17 to 24, and the two Enochs in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. So they kind of have these little antidotes that they put in there, a little bit of extra information to help differentiate who these uh, people are that have the same names. So then we see that we, um, that we had the sons of Savon, and next we see the children, that's a little bit different, not the sons of Anah, but the children of Anah. Perhaps Seir did the same thing that Jacob did in taking some of his son's boys as his own sons. I've been trying to wrestle through this because if you look back in verse 2, it says that, um, it says that Esau took Aholavama, daughter of Anah, and granddaughter of Savon. The Hittite, or the Hivite, I'm sorry. So how can this be one of Seir's sons, but also the son of Savon? And I'm wondering if he didn't do the same thing that Jacob did. Jacob did that with Joseph's two sons, if you recall. Manasseh and Ephraim were counted as two of the 12 sons or tribes of Israel. So Israel, another name for Jacob, says, I'm taking these two as mine. He says that to Joseph. And so Scripture doesn't directly tell us that here, but perhaps that's what's, what's taking place here because there's a lot of the same names that we see. Because Anah also has a son that he names Dishon, which means thresher. And so perhaps he was, again, named after his uncle Dishon, or maybe this was a grandson that was taken in as the son of Sire. We're not really told. They just seem to be uh, using this, a lot of the same names. During, in this clan. And then we see that uh, one of the other children of Anna is this Aholavama, which means tent of the high place. And we met her as one of Esau's wives in verse 2, as I already mentioned. <clears throat> this is a, another reason why it's probable that Sair took Anna as one of his sons, even though he was actually Savon's son. As we continue through the list, then, we see the, the sons of Dishon, we see Chadam, which means desire. Eshbon, which means fire of discernment. Yithram, which means advantage. And then Keron, which means liar. Not like somebody who lies, but like the musical instrument. And then we see the sons of Eitzar, or Eitzar, or Bilhan, which means their, their decrepitude. How would you like to be named that? Their decrepitude. So... And then uh, Za'avan, which means troubled. And finally, we see um, Akan, which means sharp-sighted. And then the very last son of, of Sair is Dishon, and he has two sons, Uts, which means wooded, and Aran, which means joyous. <coughs> and then what we see in verses 29 and 30 is the listing of his sons again, but now they are listed as the Horite chiefs. They were divided by these seven clans in the land of Sire. So how does this apply to us today? You know, we're looking at all these names, right? Sons and grandsons, but 
how does, how does this apply to us today? And I, what we have to do is we actually have to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 to 6 to help us with applying this section of genealogy to our lives. What's going on here with this increase through absorption? So in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, the Israelites were wandering in the desert. And we see this, these words then in Deuteronomy 2, verses 1 to 6. Then, he turn, then we turned back and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea, as the Lord had directed me. For a long time we made our way around the hill country of Seir. Then the Lord said to me, You have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. Give the people these orders. <clears throat> you are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. They will be afraid of you, but be very careful. Do not provoke them to war. For I will not give you any of their land, not even enough to put your foot on. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir as his own. You are to pay them for, uh, in silver for the food you eat and the water you drink. <clears throat> so God had given the hill country of Seir to Esau as his own. This was his promised, quote unquote, promised land. This is where he was to live. And, and so as the Israelites are coming back into the promised land, you know, God is saying through Moses, he's like, don't, don't, invoke, don't provoke them to battle or war. I won't give you any of their land. I've given it to them. And so this land, the, the hill country of Seir, doesn't belong to Seir the Horite anymore. It belongs to Esau, the Edomite. And so through, uh, <clears throat> through marriage and, and perhaps the sheer size of the Edomite clan, Esau and his descendants absorbed the Horite clans. So here's the first principle that I want us to think about today. God is our provider. God had provided a permanent place for Esau and his descendants to thrive. As we know um, and have already studied, he could not remain in Canaan with Jacob because their flocks and herds were too much for the land. There wasn't enough room for all of these flocks and herds that both of them owned. God did not just kick Esau out of Canaan without providing a place for him to live. He says, I have a place for you. It's the hill country of Seir. It's not a particularly great land. It's kind of dry and desert-like. <clears throat> the great thing is, is that God is our provider too. How many of us have experienced being displaced? Have you ever experienced that before? Judy and I left California without having another job lined up or a place to live. So we visited family for a couple of months. We kind of traveled across the country and be, before God provided the, this pastoral position here at Idaville UB Church, that also provided housing for us. He provides for us, right? He doesn't allow us to remain displaced for a long period of time. And so he is our provider, and he will provide for us and not leave us alone and displaced. And so maybe you're feeling that today. You're like, is God ever going to provide for me? Is he ever going to provide a place for me? I just feel so displaced right now. And, and just make this your first next step today, and that's to trust God to provide for me. He is our provider. He promises to do that. The second principle that we kind of see from this passage today is that God is our protector. God could have required Esau to completely destroy the Horites, but he didn't. We know that he asked the Israelites to do that with the inhabitants of Canaan. But God protected the Horites from being completely destroyed by allowing the Edomites to absorb them. God is also our protector. How have you experienced his protection in your life? Maybe it's been in the past. Maybe it's been most recently. Has he protected you from physical harm 
from sickness, from financial failure or struggles, from relational heartache, and maybe much more. I want you to just take a moment to recall how the Lord has protected you. Just take a moment and think about that. What has he done? How has he protected you? As we reflect on those things that he's done to protect us, our natural next step should be this one, and that's to thank the Lord for protecting me. Maybe you just need to thank him today. Just say, thank you, God, for protecting me in this situation. Third principle this morning is that God keeps his promises. God's blessing to Abraham was amazing. We see it in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. This is what God's word says. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God kept his promise to Esau and to to uh, Seir and, and all of their descendants. They were blessed through Abram. And we see through this genealogy that the Horites and the Edomites were blessed through Abraham. Golden Gate, in their commentary, says, If the inclusion and genesis of the lines of Ishmael and Esau implies that in their way they are part of the outworking of Yahweh's promise to Abraham, which I think it is, then the inclusion of the Horites' clans implies a reaffirmation of a point implicit in Genesis 10 and 11, that people who are quite outside the Abrahamic line are not outside the story of God's work in the world. Aren't you glad for that today? Yes, he had a chosen people, the Israelites, but that didn't mean that he neglected or completely forgot about all the other people that he created. He is our creator, right? He cares about all of his creation, not just those who follow him. That's why he, he says in his word, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. He's constantly drawing those that, that are apart from him, that are separated from him, because he loves them with this incredible love. So he cares for and he provides for all people, whether or not they follow him, whether or not they believe in Jesus and what he came to do. So God keeps his promises to us also. Just think about every promise that God has made in his word, the Bible, and that he's kept. We just see it. We see the, you know, in the Old Testament, we see the prophets that are prophesying about the future and what's going to happen, and it happened just as it was supposed to. And Jesus, time and time again, talks about it in the New Testament. He said, well, this had to happen to fulfill prophecy, to fulfill what God had promised would, would take place. And so we see that God keeps his promises. And because he's kept every promise in his word up to this point, we can trust that he will keep the promises that he has made about the future in his word. His word is true. It's inerrant. Boy, we can look into this and go, it's going to happen. This is going to take place. And so we can rejoice in a God who keeps his promises. Maybe that's the step that you need to take today. Is that, and it's just to rejoice in the fact that God keeps his promises. So as we review a little bit today, do you need to trust God to provide for you? Have you thanked the Lord for protecting you? Are you ready to rejoice because God has kept his promises to you? 
You know, as a body of believers, we can trust God to provide for Idaville UB Church. We've seen him do it just most recently, right? With the tax debt, we paid it off in less of the year. We didn't think it was going to happen, but God provided. We can trust him to do that and provide. We can trust him to continue to provide for us. We can thank God as a body of believers for protecting us as a body, right? We still have the freedom to meet together every Sunday. No one's stopping us from doing that. He's protecting us in so many ways, and we can rejoice in a God who keeps his promise to us as a body of believers. Hey, so let's look at our Orbeez here this morning. They're, uh, they're starting to grow, right? It normally takes about three to four hours for them to get the full, um, uh, full size. So um, what I did is I prepared some from yesterday. These have been going about 24 hours. Same amount, eight cups of water, two tablespoons of Orbeez seeds, and you see how much they've grown. And that's what was happening with Esau and his family. Esau and his family were increasing because they were absorbing the Horite people, and they were in this, uh, the land of, of Seir, right? The hill country of Seir, which was then called Edom. And so, uh, you know, it's incredible what God does, and, and we can trust him for that, and we can uh, praise him for providing for all people, whether or not they follow him. I think that's pretty incredible. He's still taking care of Ishmael's people. He's still taking care of Edom or the Edomite or Esau's clans. Even into today, he still provides for them, even though they don't recognize his son Jesus. And we should be grateful for that today. As the worship team prepares to come to lead us in a closing song, and as the ushers prepare to take up the tithes and offerings, would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, we just come to you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you cared about Esau and his family, even though, um, as far as we know, they didn't uh, believe in you. They didn't follow you. But Lord, we thank you that whether or not people on this earth believe in your son Jesus or follow you, that you still provide for them. You still protect them. You still allow your promises to come true. Lord, today... We just come to you. We ask that you would just continue to provide for us and protect us as we follow you. Lord, we pray too that you would just bless the tithes and offerings today for your honor and glory. We just commit it to you today. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.